Act Three of the Twin Rivals by George Farquhar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One: A room in Lord Woodby's house. Benjamin Woodby is discovered dressing. Friseur attending. Clear account, comic, and a levee of gentlemen in waiting. Benjamin Woodby aside surely the greatest ornament of quality is a clean and a numerous levy such a crowd of attendants for the cheap reward of words and promises distinguishes the nobility from those that pay wages to their servants first gentleman whispers sir i shall speak to the commissioners and use all my interest i can assure you sir second gentleman whispers sir i shall meet some of your board this evening let me see you to-morrow third gentleman whispers sir i'll consider of it aside that fellow's breath stinks of tobacco oh mr comic your servant my lord i wish you joy i have something to show your lordship what is it pray sir i have an elegy upon the dead lord and a panegyric upon the living one in utrumque paratus my lord <laughs> very pretty mr comic but pray mr comic why don't you write plays it would give one an opportunity of serving you my lord i have writ one was it ever acted no my lord but it has been a rehearsing these three years and a half a long time there must be a great deal of business in it surely no my lord none at all I have another play just finished, but that I want a plot for it. A plot? You should read the Italian and Spanish plays, Mr. Comic. I like your verses here mightily. Here, Mr. Clear Account. Comic, aside. Now for five guineas at least. Here, give Mr. Comic, give him, give him the Spanish play that lies in the closet window. To a gentleman captain can i do you any service pray my lord use your interest with the general for that vacant commission i hope my lord the blood i have already lost may entitle me to spill the remainder in my country's cause all the reason in the world captain you may depend upon me for all the service i can i hope your lordship won't forget to speak to the general about that vacant commission although i have never made a campaign yet my lord my interest in the country can raise me men which i think should prefer me to that gentleman whose bloody disposition frightens the poor people from listening all the reason in the world sir you may depend upon me for all the service in my power captain i'll do your business for you sir i'll speak to the general I shall see him at the house. Enter Alderman. Oh, Mr. Alderman, your servant. Gentlemen all, I beg your pardon. Exeunt Levy. Mr. Alderman, have you any service to command me? Your lordship's humble servant. I have a favour to beg. You must know I have a graceless son, a fellow that drinks and swears eternally, keeps a whore in every corner of the town. In short... He's fit for no kind of thing but a soldier. I'm so tired of him that I intend to throw him into the army, 
Let the fellow be ruined, if he will. I commend your paternal care, sir. Can I do you any service in this affair? Yes, my lord. There is a vacant company in Colonel, um, Vladimir Collins regiment. And if your lordship would but speak to the general. Has your son ever served? Served? Uh, yes, my lord. He's an ensign in the train bands. Has he ever signalized his courage? Often, often, my lord. But one day, particularly, you must know, this captain was so busy shipping off a cargo of cheeses that he left my son to command in his place. Would you believe it, my lord? He charged up Cheapside in front of the buff coats with such bravery and courage that I could not forbear wishing, in the loyalty of my heart, for ten thousand such officers upon the Rhine. Ah, my lord, we must employ such fellows as him, or we shall never humble the French king. Uh, now, my lord, if you could find a convenient time to hint these things to the general— All the reason in the world, Mr. Alderman— I'll do you all the service I can. You may tell him. He's a man of courage, fit for the service. And then he loves hardship. He sleeps every other night in the roundhouse. I'll do you all the service I can. Then, my lord, he salutes with his pike so very handsomely, it went to his mistress's heart so the day. Then he beats a drum like an angel. Sir, I'll do you all the service I can not taking the least notice of the alderman all this while, but dressing himself in the glass. But, my lord, the hurry of your lordship's affairs may put my business out of your head. Therefore, my lord, I'll presume to leave you some memorandum. I'll do you all the service I can. Not minding him. Pray, my lord. Pulling him by the sleeve. Give me leave for a memorandum. My glove, I suppose, will do? Here, my lord, pray remember me. Lays his glove upon the table, and exit. I'll do you all the service I can. Mm, uh, what, is he gone? <sighs> Tis the most rude familiar fellow. Faw, what a greasy gauntlet is here. A purse drops out of the glove. Oh, no, no. The glove is a clean, well-made glove, and the owner of it. The most respectful person I have seen this morning. He knows what distance. Chinking the purse. Is due to a man of quality. But what must I do for this? Fisher, do you remember what the alderman said to me? No, my lord. I thought your lordship had. This blockhead thinks a man of quality can mind what people say. When they do something, tis another case. Here, call him back. Exit Frisure. He talked something of the general and his son and train bands. Oh, I know not what stuff. Re-enter Frisure with Alderman. Oh, Mr. Alderman, I have put your memorandum in my pocket. Oh, my lord, you do me too much honor. But, Mr. Alderman, the business you were talking of, it shall be done. But if you gave a short note of it to my secretary, it would not be amiss. But, Mr. Alderman, hand you the fellow to this glove. It fits me mighty well. Putting on the glove. It looks so like a challenge to give a man an odd glove. And I would have nothing that looks like enmity between you and I, Mr. Alderman. Truly, my lord, I intended the other glove for a memorandum to the colonel. 
but since your lordship has a mind to it gives the glove here frisier leave this gentleman to my secretary and bid him take a note of his business but my lord don't do me all the service you can now well i won't do you all the service i can exeunt frisure and alderman these citizens have a strange capacity of soliciting sometimes re-enter clear account my lord here are your tailor your vintner your bookseller and half a dozen more with their bills at the door and they desire their money tell em mr clear account that when i was a private gentleman i had nothing else to do but to run in debt and now that i have got into a higher rank i am so very busy i can't pay it as for that clamorous rogue of a tailor speak him fair till he has made up my liveries then about a year and a half hence be at leisure to put him off for a year and a half longer my lord there's a gentleman below calls himself mr bassett he says your lordship owes him fifty guineas that he won of you at cards look ye sir the gentleman's money is a debt of honour and must be paid immediately your father thought otherwise my lord he always took care to have the poor tradesmen satisfied whose only subsistence lay in the use of their money and was used to say that nothing was honourable but what was honest my father might say what he pleased he was a nobleman of very singular humours but in my notion there are not two things in nature more different than honour and honesty now your honesty is a little mechanic quality well enough among citizens people that do nothing but pitiful mean actions according to law but your honour flies a much higher pitch and will do anything that's free and spontaneous but scorns to level itself to what is only just but i think it's a little hard to have these poor people starve for want of their money and yet pay this sharping rascal fifty guineas sharping rascal what a barbarism that is why he wears as good wigs as fine linen and keeps as good company as any at white's and between you and i sir this sharping rascal as you are pleased to call him shall make more interest among the nobility with his cards and counters than a soldier shall with his sword and pistol pray let him have fifty guineas immediately exeunt scene two the street before lord woodby's house enter hermes woodby writing in a pocket-book monday the fourteenth of december seventeen o two i arrived safe in london and so concluding my travels puts up the book now welcome country father friends my brother too if brothers can be friends but above all my charming fair my constance through all the mazes of my wandering steps through all the various climes that i have run her love has been the lodestone of my course her eyes the stars that pointed me the way had not her charms my heart entirely possessed who knows what circe's artful voice and look might have ensnared my travelling youth and fixed me to enchantment here comes my fellow-traveller enter teague with a portmanteau which he throws down and sits on what makes you sit upon the portmanteau teague you'll rumple the things be me sure, maestro i did care the portmanteau till it tired me 
And now the portmantle shall carry me till I tire him. And how do you like London, Teague, after our travels? That the joy tis the bravest place I've seen in my peregrinations, excepting my non brave city of Carrick Vergus. There's a very fragrant smell hereabouts. Meister, shall I run to the pastry cook for six pennyworths of boiled beef? Though this fellow travelled the world over, he would never lose his brogue nor his stomach. Why, you cormorant, so hungry and so early? Early? Deal talk me, Meister. Tis a great deal more than almost twelve o'clock. Thou art never happy unless thy guts be stuffed up to thy eyes. Oh, Meister, tis a damn way of distance, and a deal a bit between. Enter Benjamin Woodby in the chair, passing over the stage with four or five footmen before him. Hey, day, who comes here? With one, two, three, four, five footmen? Some young fellow just tasting the sweet vanity of fortune. Run, Teague, inquire who that is. Yes, Maestro. Runs to one of the footmen. Sure. Will you give my humble service to a Maestro and tell him to send me the word Fat Namish upon him? You would know Fat Namish upon him? Yes. Fat would I? Why, what are you, sir? I am a gentleman bred and born, and there is my master. Then your master would know it? Ah, you fool! Is it not the something? Then tell your master tis the young lord would be, just come to his estate by the death of his father and elder brother. Exit. What do I hear? You hear that you are dead, master? Fair will you please to be perished. But art thou sure it was my brother? Be me sure. It was him now himself. I knowed him very well after his man told me. The business requires that I be convinced with my own eyes. I'll follow him and know the bottom on't. Stay here till I return. Dear master, have a care upon yourself. Now they know you're dead. I'm sure they may kill you. Don't fear. None of his servants know me, and I'll take care to keep my face from his sight. It concerns me to conceal myself till I know the engines of this contrivance. Be sure you stay till I come to you, and let nobody know whom you belong to. Exit. Oh, oh, hon, fatigue is left all alone. Sits on the portmantel. Enter Subtleman and clear account. And you won't swear to the will? My conscience tells me I dare not do it with safety. But if we make it lawful, what should you fear? We now think nothing against conscience till the cause be thrown out of court. In you, sir, tis no sin, because tis the principle of your profession. But in me, sir, tis downright perjury indeed. You can't want witnesses enough, since money won't be wanting, and you must lose no time. 
for i heard just now that the true lord would be was seen in town or his ghost it was his ghost to be sure for a nobleman without an estate is but the shadow of a lord well take no care leave me to myself i'm near the friars and ten to one shall pick up an evidence speed you well sir exit there's a fellow that has hunger in the gallows pictured in his face and looks like my countryman how oh, now honest friend what have you got under there nothing dear troy nothing is it not a portmantle that is nothing to you the fellow's a wit my grandfather was an irish poet he did write a great books of verses concerning the wars between st patrick and the wolf dogs then thou art poor i'm afraid be me sure my short generation is so i have nothing but tis poor mental and that itself is not my own why who does it belong to to my master dear joy then you have a master fred i have but he's dead right and how do you intend to live by eating dear joy when i can get it and by sleeping when i can get none tis the fashion of ireland what was your master's name pray teague aside i will tell a lee now but it shall be a true one aloud macfadden dear joy was his name he went over with king jamish into france aside he was my master once tis the true lee now what employments had er what can you speak french oui monsieur i did travel france and spain and italy dear joy i did kiss the pope's toe and that will excuse me all the sins of my life and when i am dead st patrick will excuse the rest Subtleman aside a rare fellow for my purpose aloud thou lookest like an honest fellow and if you'll go with me to the next tavern i'll give thee a dinner and a glass of wine gimme shoal tis that i wanted dear joy come along i will follow you runs out with the portmantle on his back subtleman following re-enter hermes Woodby. my father dead my birthright lost how have my drowsy stars slept o'er my fortune looking about ha my servant gone the simple poor ungrateful wretch has left me i took him up from poverty and want and now he leaves me just as i found him my clothes and money too but why should i repine let man but view the dangers he has passed and few will fear what hazards are to come 
that providence has secured my life from robbers shipwreck and from sickness is still the same still kind whilst i am just my death i find is firmly believed but how it gains so universal credit i fain would learn who comes here honest mr fairbank my father's goldsmith a man of substance and integrity the alteration of five years absence with the report of my death may shade me from his knowledge till i inquire some news enter fairbank sir your humble servant sir i don't know you shunning him i intend you no harm sir but seeing you come from my lord woodby's house i would ask you a question or two pray what distemper did my lord die of i am told it was an apoplexy and pray sir what does the world say is his death lamented lamented my eyes that question should resolve friend thou knewest him not else thy own heart had answered thee hermes would be aside his grief methinks chides my defect of filial duty aloud but i hope sir his loss is partly recompensed in the merits of his successor it might have been but his eldest son heir to his virtue and his honour was lately and unfortunately killed in germany how unfortunately sir unfortunately for him and us i do remember him he was the mildest humblest sweetest youth hermes would be aside happy indeed had been my part in life if i had left this human stage whilst this so spotless and so fair applause had crowned my going off aloud well sir but those that saw him in his travels told such wonders of his improvement that the report recalled his father's years and with the joy to hear his hermes praised he oft would break the chains of gout and age and leaping up with strength of greenest youth cry my hermes is myself methinks i live my sprightly days again and i am young in him hermes would be aside spite of all modesty a man must own a pleasure in the hearing of his praise you are thoughtful sir had you any relation to the family we talk of none sir beyond my private concern in the public loss but pray sir what character does the present lord bear your pardon sir as for the dead their memories are left unguarded and tongues may touch them freely but for the living they have provided for the safety of their names by a strong enclosure of the law there is a thing called scandalum magnatum sir i commend your caution sir but be assured i intend not to entrap you i am a poor gentleman and having heard much of the charity of the old lord woodby i had a mind to apply to his son and therefore inquired his character alas sir things are changed that house was once what poverty might go a pilgrimage to seek and have its pains rewarded the noble lord the truly noble lord held his estate his honour and his house as if they were only lent upon the interest of doing good to others he kept a porter not to exclude but serve the poor no creditor was seen to guard his going out or watch his coming in no craving eyes but looks of smiling gratitude but now that family which like a garden fairly kept invited every stranger to its fruit and shade is now run o'er with weeds nothing but wine and revelling within a crowd of noisy creditors without a train of servants insolently proud would you believe it sir as i offered to go in just now the rude porter pushed me back with his staff i am at this present thanks to providence and my industry worth twenty thousand pounds 
I pay the fifth part of this to maintain the liberty of the nation, and yet this slave, this impudent Swiss slave, offered to strike me. "'Twas hard, sir, very hard. And if they used a man of your substance so roughly, how will they manage me, that am not worth a groat? "'I would not willingly defraud your hopes of what may happen. If you can drink and swear, perhaps—' "'I shall not pay that price for his lordship's bounty when it extend to half he's worth. "'Sir, I give you thanks for your caution, and shall steer another course.' "'Sir, you look like an honest, modest gentleman. Come home with me. "'I am as able to give you a dinner as my lord, and you shall be very welcome to eat at my table every day till you are better provided.' "'Hermes would be, aside.' "'Good man!' "'Aloud.' "'Sir?' I must beg you to excuse me to-day, but I shall find a time to accept of your favours, or at least to thank you for them. Sir, you shall be very welcome whenever you please. Exit. Gramercy, citizen! Surely, if justice were a herald, she would give this tradesman a nobler coat of arms than my brother. But I delay. I long to vindicate the honour of my station, and to displace this bold usurper. But one concern, methinks, is nearer still my constance should she upon the rumour of my death have fixed her heart elsewhere then i were dead indeed but if she still proves true brother sit fast i'll shake your strength all obstacles remove sustained by justice and inspired by love exit scene three constance's apartment constance and aurelia discovered for heaven's sake cousin cease your impertinent consolation it but makes me angry and raises two passions in me instead of one you see i commit no extravagance my grief is silent enough my tears make no noise to disturb anybody i desire no companion in my sorrows leave me to myself and you comfort me but cousin have you no regard to your reputation this immoderate concern for a young fellow what will the world say you lament him like a husband no you mistake i have no rule nor method for my grief no pomp of black and darkened rooms no formal month for visits on my bed i am content with the slight mourning of a broken heart and all my form is tears weeps enter mrs mandrake madam aurelia madam don't disturb her everything must have its vent tis a hard case to be crossed in one's first love but you should consider madam to constance that we are all born to die some young some old better we all died young than be plagued with age as i am i find other folks years are as troublesome to us as our own you have reason you have cause to mourn he was the handsomest man and the sweetest babe that i know though i must confess too that ben had much the finer complexion when he was born but then hermes oh yes hermes had the shape that he had but of all the infants that i ever beheld with my eyes i think ben had the finest ear waxwork perfect waxwork 
and then he did so sputter at the breast his nurse was a hale well-complexioned sprightly jade as ever i saw but her milk was a little too stale though at the same time twas as blue and clear as a cambric do you intend all this madam for consolation to my cousin no no madam that's to come i tell you fair lady you have only lost a man the estate and title are still your own and this very moment i would salute you lady would be if you pleased dear madam your proposal is very tempting let me but consider till to-morrow and i'll give you an answer i knew it i knew it i said when you were born you would be a lady i knew it to-morrow you say my lord shall know it immediately exit what do you intend to do cousin to go into the country this moment to be free from the impertinence of condolence the persecution of that monster of a man and that devil of a woman oh aurelia i long to be alone i am become so fond of grief that i would fly where i might enjoy it all and have no interruption in my darling sorrow enter hermes woodby unperceived in tears perhaps for me i'll try drops a miniature and retires behind listening if there be aught in grief delightful don't grudge me a share no my dear aurelia i'll engross it all i loved him so methinks i should be jealous if any mourned his death besides myself what's here takes up the miniature huh. see cousin the very face and features of the man sure some officious angel has brought me this for a companion in my solitude now i'm fitted out for sorrow with this i'll sigh with this converse gaze on his image till i grow blind with weeping i'm amazed how came it here whether by miracle or human chance tis all alike i have it here nor shall it ever separate from my breast it is the only thing could give me joy because it will increase my grief hermes woodby coming forward most glorious woman now i am fond of life huh? what's this your business pray sir with this lady goes to constance takes her hand and kneels here let me worship that perfection whose virtue might attract the listening angels and make em smile to see such purity so like themselves in human shape hermes your living hermes who shall die yours too constance aside now passion powerful passion would bear me like a whirlwind to his arms but my sex has bounds aloud tis wondrous sir most wondrous are the works of fate for man and most closely laid is the serpentine line that guides him into happiness that hidden power which did permit those arts to cheat me of my birthright had this surprise of happiness in store well knowing that grief is the best preparative for joy 
i never found the true sweets of love till this romantic turn dead and alive my stars are poetical for heaven's sake sir unriddle your fortune that my dear brother must do for he made the enigma methinks i stand here like a fool all this while ah would i had somebody or other to say a fine thing or two to me madam i beg ten thousand pardons i have my excuse in my hand my lord i wish you joy pray madam don't trouble me with a title till i am better equipped for it my peerage would look a little shabby in these robes you have a good excuse my lord you can wear better when you please i have a better excuse madam these are the best i have how my lord very true madam i am at present i believe the poorest peer in england harkee euralia prithee lend me a piece or two <laughs> poor peer indeed he wants a guinea i am glad on it with all my heart why so madam because i can furnish you with five thousand generous woman enter captain truman ah my friend too i'm glad to find you here my lord here's a current report about town that you were killed i was afraid it might reach this family so i came to disprove the story by your letter to me by the last post aurelia aside i'm glad he's come now it will be my turn cousin now my lord i wish you joy and i expect the same from you with all my heart but upon what score the old score marriage to whom to a neighbor lady here looking at aurelia aurelia aside impudence aloud the lady mayn't be so near as you imagine sir the lady may not be so near as you imagine madam don't mistake me sir i did not care if the lady were in mexico nor i neither madam you're very short sir the shortest pleasures are the sweetest you know sir you appear very different to me from what you were lately madam you appear very indifferent to me to what you were lately strange this while constance and woodby converse in dumb show miraculous i could never have believed it nor i as i hope to be saved ill manners worse how have i deserved it sir how have i deserved it madam what you riddles women my lord you'll hear of me at white's farewell runs off what truman gone yes walks about in disorder bless me what's the matter cousin nothing why are you uneasy nothing what ails you then nothing i don't love the fellow yet to be affronted i can't bear it <laughs> bursts out a crying and runs off your friend my lord has affronted aurelia impossible his regard to me were sufficient security for his good behaviour here though it were in his nature to be rude elsewhere she has certainly used him ill too well rather too well have a care madam that with some men is the greatest provocation to a slight don't mistake my lord her usage never went further than mine to you 
and I should take it very ill to be abused for it. I'll follow him, and know the cause of it. No, my lord, we'll follow her and know it. Besides, your own affairs with your brother require you at present. Exeunt End of Act 3